Welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Sheeland. And I'm the other host, Asia Bonilla. We're back once again this week, wrapping up the second book of the Divergent trilogy, The Dramatic Insurgent. So we will start the third and final book, Allegiant, next week. And as we like to tell you every week, and for anyone who just happens to be new to our show, we're a podcast on the Nerd Party Network. We're best friends, and we read and reread YA books from our adolescence, and we're sharing books with each other, and... Next week, we'll actually be announcing our next series on the show so that you have some prep time if you want to read along with us. And we started the show with the series that I had read, Percy Jackson, and Charles read it for the first time. Then we moved on to a series Charles had read, and I read it for the first time. And we've been alternating back and forth, and right now we're once again on a series that I have read, but Charles hasn't. So I'm rereading, and Charles is reading for the first time. And then for the next series will be one that Charles has read part of, and I haven't, but We're not going to find that out until next week. And in case you didn't get a chance to read along for this reading this week, we always give a plot summary of the reading. So this week, Charles is providing us with a summary for the second half of Insurgent. Yep. So things continue to go off the rails. Triss gives herself up to the erudite so they can conduct some tests on her. But Tobias breaks her out. Tobias and the factionless plan to invade the erudite to destroy all their data. Triss is super against the invasion, so she teams up with Marcus and other nice erudite people to break in and basically save the erudite data before the factionists get their hands on it. During the invasion, Tori kills Janine, claims that Triss is a traitor to Dauntless, and then the factionists turn on the Dauntless because of course they did, and then they claimed the faction system is over. Then Tobias plays the video clip of this secret data that everyone's been so stressed about, and it's basically one of Triss's ancestors saying that the abnegation have always known that at one point there will be so many divergent that they have to open up the gates. And that was the ending. So if you thought we were confused, <laughs> it just got worse. And my immediate impression of reading this was that Triss has more idiotic moments. She has some smart moments as well, but she's not the sharpest tool in the shed. And yeah, I just had a couple moments like that. So, but I don't want to get too far ahead. So, and there were some smart moments as well. Also, as always with these books. Complete chaos. I was confused. I can't keep track of the characters. But Asia, what about you? What are you about your impressions? I will say that I think that some of Triss's stupidity, I think we also have to remember, I mean, in these books, she's still only like a 16-year-old girl, so she really doesn't know that much about the world. So I think it makes sense, like, some of her stupid choices. And at least we do get that she's going to learn from her mistakes. I mean, here's not to say she's not going to make more stupid decisions later on but (laughs) that was that but I for my impression of the reading yeah it was pretty chaotic and I like pretty much remembered everything from this section I would say but I'm just super excited because I finally get to share this hint that I've been talking about since the beginning of Divergent because it was finally revealed like what I feel the hint was hinting at but that's all I was thinking about Okay, well, I can't wait to get to the end of the episode so you can reveal this hint to me. So we can dive in. We hit the ground with basically Marlene and Hector and, like, another person. They are dauntless, and a simulation has overtaken them where they're standing on the edge of the building, and they say, like, send us the Divergent or we'll fling ourselves off the building. And Tris and Christina catch, like, they grab Hector so he doesn't fall off the building and die. Right? So Marlene is one of the other Dauntless Born initiates, I believe. And, like, she has, like, a relationship with Uriah. 
I think. And then Hector is Lynn's little brother, which that's pretty much why Tris chooses to save Hector over Marlene because Lynn already, her older sister, Shauna, has already, she's the one who's been shot and is in a wheelchair. So she's already been affected. So she's like, she can't lose her little brother as well. I don't know if you remember the scene of when like Tris first gets to the Dauntless in Candor, Lynn is like, oh, like you can take Hector's bed or whatever. And she like makes him move. That's like the reference we get that he's the brother. Like that's pretty much it. Gotcha. I just didn't know why because I was like, I'm pretty sure she liked Marlene because Marlene was like in her initiate class at Dauntless. But obviously she was Dauntless born. But she's literally says something. She's like, she says to herself, she's like, sorry, Marlene, or like, sorry, Uriah, something like that. And then she like saves Hector. And I was like, I know he was relayed to someone, but I was like, <laughs> you guys have no idea. Again, can you blame me? Like, all these people sound like they have the same name. I mean, there's definitely a lot of names, but that one I just like, like that's not something I would have remembered, but I just, I'm trying to like, especially since you're very confused, I'm trying to really pay attention to all the different names so that I, but that one I like remembered because Hector is Lynn's little brother and Lynn, her older sister is Shauna, who's the one who was shot and is already in a wheelchair. So she's like, she already has lost part of her sister. She can't lose her little brother too. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that explains it, I guess. So, thank you, and thank you for taking extra care to, you know, for me, since I obviously don't understand what's going on. Yeah, of course. It's it's nice to be the one that's, like, in control of the situation for once and know, actually know what's going on. Oh, hush. Um, but anyway, so then all the Dauntless meet, and they decide that, you know, no one should go to Erudite, because basically... This message from the erudite was that like they need di- they want a divergent to turn themselves in, and all the Dauntless are like, no, we're not turning anybody in. And <laughs> Tobias has a little talk with Triss because he knows that this stupid girl <laughs> is going <laughs> to try and sacrifice herself, and she's like, we can't let anybody like else get hurt, and she's like. Other people, like, everyone will be able to move on without me. And he says, who cares about everyone? What about me? And, like, my heart just hurts because Tobias is literally, like, the perfect man. And he is in love with Tris and, like, is so dedicated to her. And Tris, like, doesn't even deserve him because she's just willing to throw their relationship away because she is depressed and is feeling suicidal and, like, not thinking about herself or thinking about anyone else and how... It's going to affect, like, specifically Tobias, who, like, that's his person. Like, so that just, like, made me really sad. And also Tris literally lies to his face and says that she's not going to go. And then as soon as he falls asleep, she leaves. Okay. The lying, I don't approve of. She, I understand her impulse. I don't agree with it. I think that she's, she feels like she needs to be doing something because she, her parents both died. But Again, that's not, pretty, I think that her like, mom, she like, wants to do is I think her productive. mom just is being dramatic, but like, you know, her parents both died literally so that she could like be in the rebellion. And but obviously again, I agree her turning her, uh, it, let me finish. I'm sorry. Her, her turning herself into the erudite doesn't actually help the rebellion, but it makes her think that she is. So I understand her impulse, but. The, she does not deserve to lie about it, and she should be more cognizant of Tobias's feelings. And don't worry, she's going to get really stupid in a second. So yeah. don't worry, I'm not about to give her a clean pass. I just think I do understand her impulse, I want to say. I guess it's like, to me, it's a very childish impulse because this idea of you need to be doing something, whereas maybe you doing something is like, it's counterproductive. Like, you know, like her going to turn herself in is creating problems for other people, which now they have to fix it. Like now somebody's got to go save her. Anyway, getting to that. Yeah. Well, first we have to mention that they've been fighting for the first half of the book. And after Marlene dies, they like are like having like a dauntless meeting and like Tris and Tobias come into the room and they just like have like this like intense staring contest and they just like start kissing and Triss is like, and everything is okay. All of the fight, all of the questions. And then she just straight up lies to him afterwards, which is really like, 
one, they fixed all their relationship problems with one kiss. Like, that must have been a really good kiss. And then, two, she just throws it all out the window by lying to him. And, yes, I definitely agree that also, like, lying, childish impulse. Like, that is, that is a, like, her desire to hold, withhold things from her partner, incredibly childish. And, yeah, but this is when she does decide. She's like, I'm going to sacrifice myself and give myself up to the erudite. Because then... There, and I will leave us alone. Which, yeah, this is where I like to agree with you that she was being an idiot just because she obviously didn't fully think through the consequences of turning herself in. Because it's obviously, it's her guilt and her grief that are like making her do these stupid things that are like driving to try to like make up for like what her parents did for her. But turning herself into Janine is like the worst idea possible because they're obviously, they're not just going to kill her out of everyone who could have sent themselves for the divergent. They are not just going to kill her. They are going to torture her. Like Janine hates her. So like, this was just probably the stupidest decision she possibly could have made. Well, this is also what made me, this is the moment that I felt like she was the most stupid. So don't worry. I was going to rag on her. It was coming, but because she gets there and she basically like says, she's like, well, now they've got me. So they're just going to stop. Like, everyone else will just be able to live a happy, peaceful life because I gave myself up to them. And I was like, one, what on earth makes you think that the the erudite are going to be satisfied with just one divergent to take data on? Two, what makes you trust their word that if they even have enough divergent, they're going to stop fleeing Dauntless off buildings? And three, the only reason they want to study divergent is the divergent is so that they can make a simulation that will impact them so they can control everyone including the divergent like she like her logic of going there makes no sense again it's that childish it's her childish impulse impulse of just being like i need to do something so this is allowing me to do something as opposed to she feels like she's just sitting there twiddling her thumbs waiting for like everyone else to come up with a plan like by doing this she's putting some like she's putting herself into action which obviously doesn't provide a great outcome but in the moment she's like i need to do something so well it was especially dumb and then she gets really really smart when she gets to area headquarters and they're like we're gonna be doing brain tests and she's like hmm can i see the scans and she like tricks janine into giving letting her see the scans and janine even like gives her like PowerPoint presentations on what the scans mean, <laughs> which I don't know if it's actually going to come back in later, but like, I was like, well, that was a, a, a character change because she was pretty dumb about five minutes ago. And then she gets in there and she like guilt trips Janine or like, like mind tricks Janine into letting her see all of the research. Like, I don't know. It was just like, that's two different Trisses. Yeah. But so then obviously now Tobias has to come to try to save Triss slash die with her because he shows up at the Erudite compound too as another like divergent prisoner. And I just wrote down when he shows up that I'm like, wow, he must really love her because I just do not right now at all. Well, it was so dramatic because he's literally says, if you die, I die. And that's why I turned myself in. And she's like, Tobias. I thought no one else would get hurt if I turned myself in. And he's like, what? I literally said I'm in love with you. And she's like, I thought everything would be fine if I just let them look at my brain. What is this accent? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Sound like a southern belle. Like, what is <laughs> Is that Tris in your mind? I have no idea. Well, she sounds stupid right now. I, I, don't, I don't associate that with a region. I think she just well, sounds Yeah, dumb. definitely when she's like... When she's like, oh, like, what are you doing here? Like, you weren't supposed to come. And it's like, you lied to him. What did you think he was going to do? Just be like, well, she's gone. Time to find the next girl. Yeah. Like. Also, like, this whole thing doesn't work that well. Because now Janine is able to use them against each other. Like, she tortures Triss in front of Tobias. And that gives, Tobias gives up the factionless safe houses. Like, Again, not a great strategy to turn yourself in because now Janine could just use them against each other. Yeah, well, at least Tobias did actually come with a plan because he is ultimately not an idiot like Triss, so he has a plan. Yeah, and apparently it didn't matter that she gave up, he gave up the factionless safe house. It, you know, in the long run, it didn't matter. 
And so his plan was to find out where all the erudite data is stored and to tell Triss that there's actually an invasion date. And we should mention, because this is super important, Caleb is working for Janine. And he's been giving her info on Triss to, like, make her torture more effective. And then he and Triss, like, fight because he's like, this is the right thing. I must help my faction. Faction over blood, sis. What is this Caleb voice? (laughs) Caleb is Ansel Elgort in the movie. Okay, well, I don't want to sound like a dying fish, so I'm not going to do an Ansel Elgort impression. A dying fish? I don't know if I actually even know what Ansel Elgort sounds like. Me neither, but I know it wasn't that first voice. Well, anyway, she's like, you literally sold me out. And he's like, you don't understand, Tris. This is really important. But yeah, he's but working for Janine. my question is, but is he working for Janine? Is he actually working for Janine? So at first, when, when Janine just showed Trish, she's like, you should see who's sh- telling me all your secrets. No, that's actually not, because Janine is described as monotone, so it would be more like, you should see who is telling me all your secrets. <laughs> like that one, I was like, okay, she could just be lying and like using, like showing her Caleb as like psychological warfare. But if Caleb is a quadruple secret agent, like he's working on Team Triss, but he went to Erudite. But then he comes back because he obviously renounces Aaronite after the invasion. But then he goes to help Janine. But actually, it was all secretly and like he's a quadruple good guy, secret agent. Like that's not good writing for him to like, <laughs> like be some mastermind who can like trick everybody like five times. Like, I mean, he is Aaronite. <laughs> I just don't believe it. Also, because he gave Janine this really crucial piece of information. That, tri- that Triss is triple divergent. Like, Triss is like, I should have figured this out sooner when I literally only told Tobias, my mom, and Caleb. And Tobias is in love with me. And my mom just walked in front of a gun because she was bored one day. And so Caleb is the only other person who could know that. So, or Tori, obviously. But, you know, we know Tori doesn't like Janine. So, <laughs> I don't know. It just felt like... I mean, again, maybe Caleb is going to be a good guy in the end, but, like, I don't really feel like there's coming back from what he's done. And <laughs> if he is, like, a quadruple secret agent, like, that's not great writing because it's completely unbelievable now that he has any, like, values at all, you know? Yeah. Also, we should mention, because we've been talking about this, but this was, like, the first time I think that it gets, like, actively said by Triss because Tobias has been calling her out on being, like, stupid but and reckless but she would like they're in the air headquarters and like they're running simulations on her and she's like try again later janine i woke myself up and like at one point she's like i don't want to live anymore like she literally has gotten to the place where she is vocalizing her lack of interest in life very very sad that was the most anticlimactic response to a character just admitting she's suicidal. But anyway, let's... I mean, we already knew she was suicidal. Moving on. <laughs> okay. But so, like I mentioned, Tris keeps beating Janine's simulations. And after one of them, in my notes, I wrote verbatim, I wrote, I bet Janine is pissed. And this is the one where Janine breaks. Like, she... Like, I... This is the moment I want to see in the movie. Again, I don't know if they've actually portrayed her. But again, Janine is supposed to be like this. Like, Tris says that she could make any sentence sound monotone the whole time. Like, she's missing the crucial inflections of language. And, like, I cannot wait to see this moment. Again, I don't know if it's done properly in the movie where, like, Janine is a robot, you know, until this moment. (laughs) But, like, I literally, I was just like... You know, this is like the third simulation description we've gotten at this point where Tris is like, sorry, Janine, I outsmarted you again. But I was like, I bet Janine is going to be angry. And Janine like picks up a gun and she's like, you tell me how you'll figure it out. (laughs) Also, I know it's Kate Winslet. I think it's Kate Winslet that plays her in the movies. Yeah. But I'm imagining Julianne Moore as President Coyne in the Hunger Games movies because she was quite excellent in that. Because it's a similar character. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, like, 
Also, I'm kind of imagining, so, again, got to bring back Harry Potter. If you know, like, the direction of the Harry Potter movies, like, probably the most universally hated moment is in the fourth movie when Harry's name comes out of the Goblet of Fire. Like, it quite clearly in the book says, Dumbledore asks Harry calmly, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? And in the movie, it's like this action scene where Michael Gambon is like running through the trophy room and he's like screaming at Harry. He's like, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Like, and it's like the biggest, also because it's not in character for Dumbledore's character like at all. It's just like for the action sequence of it. And like Robert Patton's in the background. He's like, oh my God, this 12 year old boy who's actually 14. Like, you know, anyway. But this is the moment that I'm like, it's the Michael Gambon screaming at Harry moment that I can't wait to see in the movie. If it's going to be Kate Winslet being like to Shailene Woodley, she's going to be like, how are you breaking my simulations? Anyway. Goodness gracious. The amount of crazy eyes that have just come out of Charles right now is ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, but this I is literally what I like, was expecting. And then it was, it actually happened that like the simulation, this one, Janine just broke and she's like, I got to just kill this girl. Clearly I'm not learning anything from her. Yes, but so Janine breaks and she does decide that she's going to execute Triss like much more quickly than she was planning. But during her execution, Peter helps her. So did you see that coming, Charles? I actually did because Triss points out like as soon as she gets to air at headquarters, like Peter is like Janine's body man. He's always following her around, which is too it's way too close she's like how did wait, you wait you said peter is janine's what body man bodyguard body man like the person who's always around you like your personal attendant your bodyguard body man i've never heard that term before you know like the president of the united states has a body man why isn't it just called your body why is it body man i don't get it it's because it's like the person that like carries your suitcase but also, like, is, like, your principal private secretary, but also is, like, there to, like, laugh at your jokes. Like, it's, like, an assistant, okay. but also, like, a butler, but also, like... They just have... A, a valet, like... Like, the person, like, is supposed to carry extra pens for you. Okay, that sounds awful. Anyway, but the point is that, like, Peter is way too close to Janine... And Triss is like, how did you already rise up to be, like, personal attendant to Janine Matthews when you literally just, like, swapped sides, like, three days ago? True, yeah. And so I was like, okay, already. He's, like, he's switched sides, like, eight times. Again, no moral compass. And then, two, one of the times when Triss comes out of a simulation or, like, she tells a joke afterwards and Janine is like, I am a robot, I will not respond – and Peter, like, laughs, and I was like, oh, yeah, the fact that he laughed, you know, that's, he's going he's gonna to betray Janine. And I was like, this is the amount of emotional complexity these characters have. Like, one of them laughs. So, or, like, when he shows her, the, when he tells her the time, the day of her execution, I was like, yeah, he's going to save her. I was 100% sure. And then it exactly happened. Yes, so Peter does save Triss. He gives her, he switches like the death serum with a paralysis serum so that she's like paralyzed and like she can't move for like a couple minutes and then he like gets her out and like breaks her out. But when, you know, Triss and like they help Triss and Tobias escape and when they like get out, Triss is like, like, Peter, why would you help me? Like, I thought you hated me. And he says that it's because he owed her or he owed her for saving him at the Amity compound because throwback to the beginning of this book, when they get to the Amity compound and like the erudite come in and like they start shooting, Triss like just out of instinct like shoves him out of the way, like didn't even realize it was him kind of thing. But she saved his life. And so he says that he couldn't sleep at night if he hadn't repaid his debt. Because he's like, I don't owe, I don't want to owe anyone anything. So that's literally why he saves her. And again, let's talk about the emotional complexity of these characters. He's like, must repay debt. Therefore, we'll save Trista's life because she saved my life. But it's also like, I mean, Trissy makes comment of like, it's crazy to think like some people can live like that. Because like her, she can't, Tobias can't, but some people may be like Peter can. 
But at least one thing we do get from the whole execution thing, it does prove to Triss that she does want to live, which is very important for her character growth because obviously once when the serum is administered, she thinks she's going to die and all she's thinking is, I want to live, I want to live, I want to live. So that's obviously good for her because, you know, she needed that turnaround. Otherwise, the books would have been terrible. She did need that turnaround, but it was quite anticlimactic. Like, it was it was more... The whole arc of her going to Erudite was just super stupid. I mean, did you actually think, like, you were reading for the first time, did you actually think that there was any chance she was going to die? Like, we're in the middle of the second book. No, but the whole... It just felt like she had to go to Erudite and, like, deal with... I don't know. I thought that someone else might die, like, in saving her, you know, that there might be, like, consequences. Okay. But again, it's kind of the same way, like, in the first book when she, like, runs the Erudite compound and she gets away with it. Whereas, like, Christina literally has to hang herself off a cliff for ten minutes just for being mean. (laughs) Like, it just felt like we need a plot device, but no repercussions. And so, I guess the repercussion is, like, we get Peter back for a little bit. Like, I don't know. It just. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, it would have been one you know thing I mean? if another character had died, like in her place or something. I, I totally get that. But I just. But then and like that also helps her recognize the value. Like she's like getting badly executed and she's like, oh, my God, I want to live. But someone else dies. And she's like, this was the, my fault for being stupid, for being like, like I was being I wasn't thinking clearly. I wanted to live. And because I wasn't thinking clearly, someone else, another person died. And, like, therefore I have to be, you know, like, again, it was just, like, she was, like, her life was finally threatened, like, real close. And she's like, oh, guess I want to live. Like, I don't know. It just felt like, again, it was for plot that she needed to, like, turn around. Yeah. Maybe I'm being too harsh. I mean, I would say I, I, I totally agree with you with the idea of, Triss is just, like, she's getting all, like, she's just getting away with everything with no consequences, which is just kind of, like, I don't know. I mean, we'll see how the rest of the books go to see if she ever does get any consequences. But, anyway, so after they get saved, they all get back to the Dauntless slash Abnegation headquarters, where it's revealed that there is the big battle plan for the invasion of Erudite. Yeah, I want to mention it really bothers me that they're back at Abnegation because they, like, had this big moment reclaiming the Dauntless headquarters, but then they're like, psych, there were some more cameras, so I guess we're going back to live at Abnegation in these houses. I was like, this was incredibly strange, but whatever. So Triss and Christina, they're like, I don't think we should go through with this invasion because they don't want to sink to Erudite's level and kill innocents, which is quite noble of them because Tori's like we should assume at this point that anyone who stays at Erudite is complicit and likes it so shoot to kill and Christina's like maybe we shouldn't do this and Lynn's like they unprovoked attacked the abnegation and Christina's like yeah and we didn't like that when they did that did we but anyway Triss and Marcus have been talking about the secret Johanna information because Triss is like, I know you've got a secret, Marcus. And Marcus is like, maybe, Triss. Maybe I'll tell you one day. And Triss, you know, as we know, she can't resist a mystery, so she decides that she is going to, like, team up with Marcus. Yes, which Marcus tells Triss that they were placed here for a purpose, but he doesn't elaborate any more on it. So I was just wondering, Charles, for based on what Marcus has told Triss, do you think he's telling the truth or do you think he's lying? So I actually did believe Marcus because I think that Triss has actually, for her many, her many stu- forms of stupidity, she's pretty good at, like, telling if someone's lying to her, especially someone like Marcus. Like, like she has, like, a really good instinct about, like, she had a really good instinct about Evelyn. Like, she immediately, and she had a good instinct about, like, Peter and a good instinct about Eric. Like, she immediately. Yeah. She can tell, like, and she, like, it's, I think that Marcus is telling her enough truth because he wants to use her. And so I think he's giving her enough. Like, I don't think that he's telling her everything. Like, he's probably, like, 
committing a sin of omission. Like, he's not telling her everything, but I don't think he's actively lying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I know what he's talking about, so I don't really think I can say anything. But And we'll talk more about what he said, I think, at the end, kind of when we get the big reveal. Because, like I said, I I just want to hear your thoughts on it because, honestly, like, I know where the story's going, but you have no idea, and I told you that. (laughs) It's going in a whole new direction. <sighs> and I'm already like, I can't keep track. And we got another, like, two names in the last sentence of the book. And I was like, oh, my God. I know they're the same person, but, wow, I can't keep track. <laughs> and this person's probably dead by now. But, anyway, moving on. So we definitely get the actual true lie, though. When Tris lies to Tobias, she's like, I still can't shoot a gun, Toby. But oh. it's... <laughs> No. This is my Shailene Woodley impression. <laughs> but no, if it was Trish, she'd be more like, <sighs> Tobias, I don't know how to shoot a gun anymore. Is this like your anyway, act? So she- Today is Charles' acting class. I think he's given us at least five different characters. <laughs> anyway, Trish says she can't shoot a gun yet, so she's not going to go to, on the invasion. But actually, she's lying. And she's going to go with Marcus. And Tobias is so supportive. He's like, you stay here. Take your time. You deserve it. And she's like actually lying to him. Yes. But for this time, I actually do think Triss is right. Because killing all of the erudite isn't the right thing to do. Like, just because everyone's participating. Like, some people probably don't even necessarily know what's happening. Like, what about the little kids? Like, I totally agree with her that, like, they shouldn't just wipe out the entire entire population of erudite on top of the fact that they need them like they need their technology they need their knowledge like they need some erudite they just need to obviously try to get rid of the bad ones but also just her idea of that the most important thing should be finding out the truth the truth about what's going on with their community the truth of like what marcus is talking about if that's real like that should be the priority they should know what is going on so that they know all the facts to make a decision. So I do feel that this betrayal of Tobias can be forgiven. I agree. I agree. Like, if he can't forgive her later on, like, then she should move on from him. Because, one, she has a bunch of options. Like, Uriah definitely thinks she's pretty. Even Uriah's Uriah's brother is Zeke, right? And they have, like, a flirty moment when they take back Dauntless headquarters. Wow, I do remember some names. They had a flirty moment. Like, she has plenty of men options. So if Tobias can't forgive her. So much for being this average-looking lady. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, she's like, I'm so boring. And Tobias is like, yeah, you kind of are. And But, like, all the the boys (laughs) want her. But I agree that, like. Another Bella Swan. (laughs) Literally, Bella Swan. I'm I'm basic. I'm average. I have straight brown hair. I'm so boring. And Edward is like, yeah, but you smell like flowers. Your blood smells like flowers. And every other vampire is like, oh my god, her blood smells like flowers. And Jacob's like, she's so pretty. And she's like, I'm literally completely average. And Jacob's like, oh my god, I must eat her. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> Whoa. Back to Divergent. Back to Divergent. Charles is off the rails. I'm just mimicking the story. Can you blame me? But Tris, Marcus, and Christina, they go to Amity because Tris wants the Amity to get involved so that the Dauntless don't destroy all the erudite data. And she also wants to go talk to the good erudite that are basically living in amnesty there about how she could, like, protect the data herself. Yeah, so then they... Go to Amity, and Joanna, who's the leader of Amity, she decides that she cannot stay uninvolved in the whole conflict because basically she puts it up to a vote again for Amity to reconsider because Amity had said that they're just staying totally neutral. They don't want to get involved, which is obviously, like, not the best decision. So Joanna's like, I can't do that. So when they decide that they still want to do that, she's like, well, I'm going to leave, which if that means I can't be the leader of Amity, that's fine. But if anybody wants to come with me, they can. So her and some of the other Amity decide to leave, and they help Tris, Christina, and Marcus kind of try to stop the Dauntless and Factionless alliance from killing all of the Eridite people. Yeah, which is in keeping with her character, because we definitely got the vibe from when we first met her that she's got more of an edge than just a hippie. Like... You know, Amity, they're supposed to be, like, completely pacifist. But we definitely get the vibe that Joanna, like, 
she's got a little more real talk. Well, she also came, I think, from Candor, they said. Candor, yeah. Yeah, she definitely did come from Candor originally. And then <laughs> Christina and Triss are talking to the erudite. They're planning how they're going to get this stuff. And we get a Dauntless are dumb moment. That's what I want to call them. When the Dauntless prove that they are uh, muscle over mind. Because they don't know what email is. Like, they are talking about, like, the data. And, again, like, this is how you know this series. Like, tech is kind of, like, a little overarching. Because they're like, we're just going to download the data to a disk. And the erudite people are like... Um, a disk can be destroyed. Maybe just, like, send the files to all of the factions, and then everyone has it. Like, the Dauntless don't know send what email is. Email. They don't know what the cloud is. What? Send a group email. Just put it on the Google Drive. Like, they don't know any of this. They're like, we got to download it to a hard drive. And the air are like, I don't think that's a secure way of doing this. But it was just really funny because Tris had no idea what, like, the internet was. Well, yeah, I thought this scene was funny for... A slightly different reason of, I guess, the Dauntless being dumb, which I just wrote down that how interesting it was that the Dauntless, like, they didn't know what a taser was because one of the erudite, like, shows them, like, this taser and, like, this is a way to, like, you can use this and, like, incapacitate someone but without having to, like, shoot them or kill them. And, like, they'd never seen one before in their lives, which, you know, it's probably because, you know, in Dauntless, you're taught to just always aim for the kill Instead of ever just, you know, trying to incapacitate someone only. So they would never be taught, like, how to use a taser. Only guns. Yeah. And these were the law enforcement characters. Oh, my God. Anyway. <laughs> Was Veronica Roth on to <laughs> <laughs> So then, once again, it's invasion time. And Fernando, who... <laughs> just the, Wait, I just gotta... I hate to interrupt you. But it's, like, the last book... Boring, 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 boring. Invasion! This one, <laughs> chaos, 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 chaos. Invasion! Like, we literally have a big battle at the end. It's like a an action movie. I mean, it literally is. And we said that they're kind of written like, it's set up like a movie more so. I mean, especially with her writing from going, jumping to new scenes, the next sentence down. <laughs> yeah, she's literally already writing the shooting draft. Like, she's like, well, you don't need to storyboard. I've already done it for you. Here's the manuscript. <laughs> But anyway, so it's invasion time, and Fernando, which is one of the nice erudite, calls Triss an insurgent as they're, like, leaving. So, you know, we get this name drop of the title, which was very interesting. Heavy-handed. It was definitely, like, I was, like, she really just put the name of the book. Like, we already got that it's called Divergent. Like, I'm sure that the next book, it does have something very similar. Like, she just had to throw the name of the book in It's like the when book. you're watching an episode of like a sitcom. Like I'm I I think of The Office because of the Office Ladies podcast and they always track like when the name of the pod the episode like gets dropped in the episode and like when it's like super clunky that they were like like you just it sometimes it feels so clunky when the name of the episode gets thrown into it like it was such a weird moment because like the other, what's her name? Kara. Kara's the other nice erudite. And she's like, why would you say that? And he's like, yeah, she's Will's brother. And she's like, I like to organize. I mean, she's Will's sister. <laughs> <laughs> she's Will's I'm sister. So yes, that's why she doesn't like Triss, because Triss murked Will. But Will was trying to murk Triss, so, like, get over it. I mean, I don't think the insurgent comment wasn't that bad, but it was just kind of jarring. Like, it kind of took you out of the story for a second because you're like, she really had to put that that was the name of the book. Because also, like, how Fernanda says it, he's like, come on, insurgent? And she's like, what? <laughs> and she's like, excuse because me? she doesn't what know what that means. It? And he's like, insurgent, and gives the definition. <laughs> like... I think that the fact that she is, like, undermining the rebellion already is enough. Anyway, I'm sure we're going to get the same thing. Look, I don't know. It's like one of those moments, like, if you were a little kid watching the movie, you'd be like, oh, my God, they said the name. Like, they said the name of the book. She's catering to all age groups. She's very smart that way. But, so, they break into Aaron at headquarters, and Caleb is there, and Tris and Marcus mess him up, and... I just want to say for the record, he totally got what he deserved. I mean, I think it should have come from Tris, not Marcus. Like, I think Tris should have been allowed to, like, 
you know, rock him, sock him in the face. But it's okay because he got totally messed up and he totally deserved it for being like a traitor. Yep. You're not going to say anything. I just said, yep. Yeah. Okay. You agree. Great. Glad. Just checking. And then (laughs) another one of those moments where the science of this world makes no sense. But like, again, we have like a simulation where Tris is able to like know she's in a simulation, but like this one, she can't just like, by knowing she's in it, she can't escape. Like she has to like beat the simulation. And, but she, before that, she walks into the room and the room can just like sense her brain. And it's like, Tris Pyre, Beatrice Pyre, abnegation, now dauntless, confirmed divergent, second generation. And then the simulation starts. Is that right? Is that how that happened? Because again, you know, I got confused at this point. Yeah, that's basically how it happened. I will say this is probably, this is part, I did not remember this at all from the book. Like I did not remember, but it was like very random because her and Marcus basically have to split up and they guess they each go through their own individual simulation. And hers is that she has to fight herself like you said, and it's not like how all the other simulations we've been introduced to, she has to be injected with, like, the serum. But this, it like you said, she walks into the room and it's, like, able to recognize her based off of who knows what. And she does, of course, end up winning by shooting herself because how she describes it as her, you know, doppelganger also has the PTSD she has with, the like, shooting the guns. So her double like the the other Triss can't shoot the gun but Triss can because and I quote she's desperate enough so yeah this that part didn't really make sense but I was kind of like let's go we're gonna get to Janine so I guess I just didn't really care because I just wanted this part to be over again it also didn't even make sense like as a choice in simulation because Triss has already let herself die in simulations many times like in her fear landscape she lets people kill her so that she doesn't have to kill her family. So, like, the idea of, like, her shooting, like, someone who looks like her, but isn't even her. Like, it's not even, like, she's shooting herself. Like, I mean, she's shooting herself, but she's very aware that she is one person and this other one is, like, doppelganger Triss. And so, of course, she's not going to have trouble shooting that per- Like, as a simulation, it wasn't even a good target for Triss because we've seen that Triss is very willing to throw her own life away. So... No, I mean, I would just say, I mean, based on how it was described in the reading, it was very difficult for her because she keeps saying, like, how are you supposed to beat somebody that's exactly the same as you are? Like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, obviously, if it's still thinking about it as like a strategy of it, but like the idea of like shooting yourself, like might be pretty hard for like you or me. But like Tris has shown that she's very okay with like losing her life. But she's not anymore. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I think for her struggle with shooting, her is because she can't shoot the gun at all. Yes. Because of the PTSD from Will. But I I understand what, like, Veronica Roth was going for. I just didn't think that this was very well executed because, one, it was totally random. But, like, to me, what she was trying to get across is her... Her idea of saying that she was desperate enough, it's because Tris, the real Tris, was desperate enough to get through that door. So as much as she did not want to ever shoot a gun again, she will shoot this fake being of herself because she needs to get through that door. The fake Tris is just trying to prevent her. Like, I understood that argument of, like, Tris has an end goal, the real Tris, versus the fake Tris is just her only goal is to stop her. Like, I understood that, but, like, again, this part just felt, like, really clunky because it just, it made no sense in the context of the story. Like, it was totally random. Like, again, she was just like, we have to throw in one more obstacle for her to get through, like, it was just, it just, like, I understood where she was trying to get. I just don't think it was very well executed and was, like you said, it didn't really serve a real purpose for the plot. I was going to save this for the end, but since you said the literal word obstacle, I'm going to just save it now. Say it now. This book, particularly this reading, has very much felt like a video game where it's like you have to unlock each <laughs> level. the different levels. Like a mystery level. Like it feels like an accompaniment video game for a movie where it's like... Go collect the secret information from Marcus. Now you have to trick Tobias so that you can go to Amity. Now you have to collect the information and convince the Amity. You get extra points if you convince the Amity. New boss level unlocked. 
Kill yourself in a simulation. <laughs> New boss level, face Janine. Like, it felt like we were literally playing a video game. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely. That's a good comparison. Like, I was like, oh, we just, like, why not? Also because the obstacles, again, because it doesn't feel like there's any connection between them. So they feel very disparate. So it's like Because, again, I would say that unlocked. the only growth, the only thing we get from that is that, okay, she can shoot a gun again. Yes. But, like, it wasn't even a real gun. But that, I guess, is what your takeaway was. She was desperate enough, so now maybe she'll be okay shooting people again. Triss, level up. Recover from PTSD. Fire firearm <laughs> skill reacquired. <sighs> anyway. And then she makes it to the big boss. She makes it to the big boss. Level Janine. <laughs> but she's there. Tori's there. And Triss is like, Tori, we got to get this information. Tori's like, you traitor. And then she stabs Janine in the stomach twice. And I wrote in my notes, she's dead? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Because. She's definitely dead. Well, she is. When, when, her, when they say her eyes glass over, I was like, oh, my God, she's dead. But it just, like, baffled me. I was like, that's how Janine dies? Like, what an anticlimax. I'm not going to say anything. Oh, my God, is she a zombie in the next one? Wow. Allegiant's about to be real crazy. <laughs> no, but, I think like, it's just the idea of maybe Janine was also a pawn, like, not the actual big bad guy. I mean, probably because there's a whole other book to go for, but it's like when you read it's like when you read Harry Potter, um, and in the second book you think Lucius Malfoy is like a really bad guy, and then you're like, I mean, you know Voldemort's a bad guy, but like you know he's not alive in the first three books, and then you just think like the first time you read the second book you're like, oh my god, Lucius Malfoy, I'm so worried about him, and then like later on you just find out he's like, like a C tier Death Eater. <laughs> Anyway, everything turns back to Harry Potter. But so then, many tangents. <laughs> yeah, this episode I've gone off the rails like the book. Anyway, so Ginny is dead. Information out of Trista's hands, and Tori's like, "She's a traitor." And then Tobias comes in, and he's like, "You trusted Marcus. You went off with." Him and this is a moment I actually like was like slow claps for Tris because she calls Tobias out. She's like, You say you love me, but you don't trust me. You say that I'm smarter than everyone else because I have aptitude for erudite. You say I'm good at seeing patterns. You say I'm good at figuring things out, but you never freaking trust me. And she's like, If you, she's like, You are lying because you say you love me, but then you don't trust me. So your love either is not, your love is not good enough or you're lying about loving me. And I was like, you are absolutely right, Tris. You've been wrong about so many other things, but for once, you got it right. He's been holding you to a different standard. And then he walks away. <laughs> yep. But anyway, I w- I, how did you feel about Tris's breakdown? Because I actually felt like, again... Completely. Oh, out I of- thought it was really that was really good of for her that she stood up for herself and she was totally in the right that she, everything she said was true of what Tobias is. Especially has been doing, the of, whole like, this like, idea of especially the of whole him like, saying like, like you're saying, so smart yeah. and like he brings her to the meeting with Evelyn because he's like I know you can read people really well but then he doesn't like actually trust her opinion and when she's saying that like why would I risk working with Marcus why would I risk our relationship working with this terrible person if not for something that was really important. And yeah. again, if you're saying you love me so much and you trust me, why aren't you giving me the benefit of the doubt? Yeah, like, why is it so conditional for him? And also, like, yeah, I think that you're absolutely right. That it, It's the, the, like, you say I'm smart, but you're not actually trusting my judgment. Especially because, like, she has this conversation with them with a couple of the Dauntless where they talk about, like, trying to puzzle out erudite messages. And she says, like, why me? And they're like, well, you have aptitude for erudite. And she's like, I mean, you could all freaking try it for once. Just, like, think about the logical decision. But, like, and they're, like, they're all what? like, well, you're just so much better at it. And then, you know, she's so right. So, again, she's been pretty on-off the rest of the reading. But 
this was a good moment. And then she's brought downstairs as a traitor, but like not that stressed because she's kind of just like allowed to like free roam around the hall. Well, like they have all the traitors basically like grouped together. I think how yeah. it's described is like Tris definitely has like at least two guns on her. I think the whole time, like so she's a high level traitor, but like it's not like they've got her in handcuffs or anything dramatic like that. Absolutely. Also, like, they're more worried about their casualties. Yes. So then also when she goes down there, though, we see that Lynn, which remember, this is the Dauntless. Her little brother is Hector. She's been shot and she dies. Like, Triss goes over and Uriah and she says something about Marlene. She says, like, I really loved her, too, or something. So obviously, I'm assuming that was a hint at that, you know, she had a crush on Marlene, like, as well, like, because Uriah, obviously, Marlene and Uriah had a thing, which is kind of why it makes sense that she was always so angry about Marlene and Uriah being together because she also, like, was in love with Marlene. So maybe Trish should have saved Marlene. <laughs> yeah, if she wanted Lynn to like her. But, I mean, I guess. It was, like, that, like... Yes, I totally understood. It was totally like, random and un like unnecessary, but random unnecessary did not like develop the character at all. You're like, I guess Lynn is queer. That's fine. She's dead now. Like, yeah, <laughs> it just it served no. Purpose. She's dead now. <laughs> like, no, I I understand that. Two. It is kind of like Her I do feel dead. like. Roth's like thing is I feel like she introduces things about characters like and then they die so it's kind of like what was even the point of that again like the Fernando guy being divergent Fernando from Erudite who was flirting with Christina and then he's dead he's marked immediately Trisha's mom being like I'm divergent I'm gonna go take some bullets so you can cross the street without looking like you know (laughs) Uh, like and yeah, I, again, I just feels like she's like trying to fit a lot of ideas in. Like she probably like took a class the semester before on like LGBTQ writers in the closet. And she's like, I should probably throw an LGBTQ character in. And it's like, that doesn't really count. Like, yeah, not <laughs> also like it doesn't literally also, in the I don't moments care. before like, the death. Like, I don't mind. Like, I don't I as a queer person don't necessarily need there to be a queer person in a book. Well, like, it's also just like you feel... said, it's just very like a throwaway line. Like it's like it didn't actually serve any purpose in the book at all. It was literally something that she just added in there. And you're like, maybe this like explains Lynn being like kind of mean. But I was just like, I just assumed Lynn was kind of mean. Like, yeah, like, and that's that her, was basically honestly, her like, biggest character trait. And that was like a fleshed out character thing. Like, because every Lynn entrance, she was kind of mean. And I was like, that was fine. Like, that was her character. And that makes her a more interesting character to me than, like, all of a sudden being, like, she may have been jealous, I guess, but we'll never know because she's, she's dead. dead. <laughs> I don't know. It just, yeah, it feels like, what? Like, that was not necessary and distracting. Anyway. And now we're at the end. So, a split second before... So everyone's about to see this, but Triss sees this a split second before everyone else does. She sees that Evelyn and the factionless have all the guns because Triss is good at seeing patterns. And then <laughs> Evelyn declares that the factions are over because, of course, she did. And <laughs> Tori, like, her mouth, like, her jaw dropped. She's like, Tori is completely shook. She had no idea. And I was like, guys. This is, like, the first thing we learned about Evelyn. Like, the first thing she said, she's like, I think we need a world without factions. She didn't say that to the other people. Also, I mean, again, I mean, if you think of, it's a whole bunch of dauntless people who, as we're saying, don't really have brains and, like, are thinking about dauntless it. Dauntless or dumb. Like, like, actually thinking about, if they're working with the faction list, the faction list obviously don't have factions. So they probably don't really believe in the faction system because they failed to join a faction for whatever reason. So, yeah, if they seem to have all the power, wouldn't it make the most sense that they probably would want to get rid of factions because they already don't have one? They have nothing to That's lose. what I'm saying. It's so obvious that the faction list would want that. And but I would say, like I said, the argument is that the Dauntless people aren't obviously that smart, so they didn't think that far ahead. 
well, they got really, like, screwed because, well, I guess it won't matter now because all hell's going to break loose with the announcement in a second. But. Yes. But yes. So Evelyn's like, the faction system is over. <laughs> and then Tobias sneaks in. Don't know how that happened. Like, but I just want to mention the bizarreness of the scene. So you have Evelyn on a podium, like holding a gun to Tori's face. And she's like, you don't have a faction anymore. Ha ha. Take that. And, like, Tobias, like, slips in the back, and he, like, sneaks his way over to Triss, and they, like, have a look, and he's like, I should have trusted you. I should have believed you. It's okay. I got the data. And they, like, kiss. And once again, this magical kissing that happens between them, everything's forgiven. But I just want to mention how freaking weird this, like, actual scene sounds, because you have the Dauntless, who've just been told by a bunch of people whom they basically consider disorganized homeless people that their way of life is over and they've got <laughs> guns. All their guns are trained on them. And Tobias in this moment just like sneaks in and starts making out with Triss. I'm like, does anyone like, as I was reading this, I was like, am I the only one that understands how freaking insane this sounds? Like this is a movie moment that would be freaking crazy. I think it wouldn't be. I don't think it would be as crazy. I think it's just, her writing style it makes it harder to like understand what's going on but i don't think because basically like evelyn says that and obviously the dauntless are like what are they gonna do they have no power and it's kind of like tobias slips over and like him and tris have a very like short quiet conversation i mean i'm sure that it was done in the movie so that it sounds more believable so you probably have that psychologically like imprinted right i don't know if i've i don't know the if i've seen the second movie, the movie but i'm saying that's how i would have imagined this scene i would imagine that they would show evelyn talking and mm. then either while she's talking so like her voice fades into the background it shows tobias approaching tris so like we get to zoom in on them but like they're in the middle of the crowd so like you know, like, I could definitely see this as a movie, but, like, maybe that's just how my brain works. Like, I understood what was going on. But there is obviously a lot happening, like, throughout this whole book. That's what I mean, more of, like, I'm just, like, also you have, like, I don't think half the like, population being told their world is ending. I don't think Tris and Tobias were literally the other half making is like, out. I think they just, like, they shared, a like, a passionate kiss, like, to make up for also because of the idea of Tobias, like, he's, like, I do believe you. Like, he probably was partially putting on an act because, you know, half the time these people are putting on an act, apparently. Apparently. But anyway, let's get to the big reveal. Yes. So it's the big data that the abnegation had and Janine got and the factionless were going to destroy, but Fernando and the dream team saved. <laughs> and then Tri Tobias gets Caleb to reprogram the computers to show it to everyone. And it's a video from a woman called Amanda Ritter. And she's like, we built your society to be a clean slate. We picked out good virtues, so this will all be good. There will come a day when enough of you seem to have minds that are more flexible, a.k.a. divergent, and when there are so many of you, the amity are to open the gates. And you guys, don't forget about us. We need you. Like, you're the model society. And also, I'm to prove that this is all real. I'm going to give up my own name and join you. And this will be my new name. Edith Pryor. Do you like my impression of the video? I don't even know. This is like your 10th impression. <laughs> so I've just completely lost track. Like you even did a voice for like describing like, like as if you were like the movie trailer guy, like when the previews come on and you're like talking about what the movie's about. But anyway. Well. So that's the end. They get this reveal of this like thing and it's obviously another big cliffhanger ending. So I just want Charles to explain to me what he thinks this means and what do you think is going to happen in the next book? Uh, well, it means that there are people that live outside of the fence. We're going to obviously interact with them next. It does sound to me like Edith Pryor is Triss's grandmother because we did get out here that Triss is second generation. We don't know what that means. But it would make sense that her parents would be the first generation of people who were born within the faction system. And then she would be a second generation. Though I, definitely the way it's felt is that they're like, the faction system is going on longer. 
like than two generations. But don't you think that it was made to seem like that? Because if they erase their memories, then they obviously would have just made up history. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. And again, my theory is still that Triss is only the second generation because like we literally get told that she's the second generation. So I'm saying that like it's just the way it's felt so far. Like you could believe this has been going on for like 50 years. But a generation is like 24 years. So I guess that is 50 years, two generations. And you have the people who came into this simulation, like when they erased their brains. So, yeah, you know, obviously it's going to be some conflict about whether they should actually open the gates. I don't know. And like, are the divergent like good? Are the outside people going to like the divergent any more than the erudite? Like, I don't know. It just. Why don't you tell me something about it? Because I don't I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I was just wondering what you're thinking, because remember, I've said like a million times. I feel like I've said it a million times that I'm like, I feel like where the book goes is very unexpected. Like, like, did you expect that ending? No, but like, honestly, at this point, because this book has had so many crazy twists and turns, (laughs) it doesn't feel like that far off, you know? Well, anyway, Especially I wanted like, to talk now about the thing. Okay. Oh, go ahead. The thing about like each faction having certain roles to do, like the abnegation are going to run government. The erudite are going to plan everything. The amity are going to grow the food. Like it does kind of like fit in actually. Like the amity's job is to open the gates. The when everyone is smart enough to like, be both kind and brave. Like, you know, like, when there are enough people who can be both brave and smart, like, now the Amity shall open their gates, and that was the reason their faction existed in the whole time. Like, I don't know, it just... Like, I mean, that's some faction history right there. <laughs> okay, well, before I guess I'll talk about anything, I want to get into my hint, because... Now I can finally talk about it. So my hint, like I said, it comes from the first half of Divergent. So our first episode. And it's when Triss and the other Dauntless Initiates go to the gate for the first time. at the Like with the Amity people. And like she talks to that guy. I think his name was like Robert or something. Who Richard. was an abnegation trip. Oh, I knew it was something with an R. I think it's Richard. I couldn't remember. I couldn't tell you, honestly, if I tried. I mean, why are we asking um, me? <laughs> but anyway, it's during that scene. And when my hint basically was, it's something that Triss thinks. And she's basically thinking about why the gate, like she notices the gate is locked from the outside, not the inside. And she thinks the line that I quoted was, it almost seems like they don't want to keep something out. They want to keep us in. Which, with what we know now at the end of this book, I think that's a pretty good foreshadowing of what is going to happen in the next book. Yeah, like, there's supposed to be this perfect society that's going to be so sustainable. I mean, we've already found out it's clearly not, because within two generations of one-fifth of the population executing the other fifth. But it definitely feels like you're right, that they were... That's a, I, I agree. That's a good hint. I did not remember that at all. But... Well, yeah, it was just like, but it was like, I when I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I didn't even know they mentioned, like, the gate. Well, also because I feel like from the beginning of the book, everything seems like it's inside the gate, so you're not really thinking about what's outside. But, oh god, just wait. <laughs> I'm really, books, to be perfectly honest, you're I'm gonna like a lose little, it. I'm gonna love it. You're going to lose it. <laughs> I'm like really scared because I'm like, I'm already so confused all the time. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is about this series. I like, I read a chapter and I like, don't know what happened. I have to read it again. Like it takes me twice as long and I don't know why. But I'm. I think like you said, it being like a video game, I think that's a really good like comparison for like what the, like what these books are. Like, I feel like it does kind of feel like the storyline of a video game, like you get new challenges and new quests or whatever and <laughs> new bosses and things to break and levels. That's definitely, I think that's a good, good comparison. Like, thank you. But like, I'm, 
<laughs> I I thought of that as I was writing the outline. I was like, I'm really like it. Just re- it it plays like a like a third person video game, like <laughs> level unlocked, like booster power activated. But I'm always so confused, and it's not that I'm like not enjoying it. Like I'm enjoying the series, but I'm just constantly confused, I'm and sorry. I don't know why. Well, expect... Anyway, is there anything else? Expect more confusion. That's all I'll give you. Okay, thanks. But I think (laughs) that's it. So that means next week we'll be moving on to book three, Allegiant. So if you're going to read along with us, go ahead and read the first half, which will be chapters one through 25 for next week. Yes, I will read and I will prepare for more confusion, I guess. And if you have predictions, theories, questions, comments, anything, remember you can always stay in touch with us on the Nerd Party website. And just head over to nerdparty.com slash contact and you select the rack paperback. And you can send us an email there or get in touch with the network at large on Twitter at joynerdparty, Instagram at thenerdparty, or facebook.com slash thenerdparty. To find me, I'm at Sheeland on Twitter and at cshells on Instagram. And I'm at AsiaBonia on Twitter and at Asia.Bonia on Instagram. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other podcasts on the Nerd Party Network and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss us next week. Yes, hit that subscribe and have a good one. We will see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.